This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Origins. Every week I sit down with Dad and we go through a chapter of my book about him, Loose Units. This week's chapter is a little odd. It's chapter 39, which is called You May Have Been a Little Premature. Now, at this point in your police career, by which I mean, when I say this point, I mean, you know, uh, you're 21. You were 21 at this point in the story, right? Mm, Yeah. Sounds young. That's very young. I mean, 20. Do you think that's... If you invert those numbers, what do you get? Uh, 12. Correct. Don't see how that helps, but... Doesn't at all, but... Great. You know, in the intro, you go... Origins. Yeah, Loose Units Origins, yeah. But I always think of David Attenborough, The Origin of Species. The Origin of Species is Charles Darwin, The Origin of the Species. True, true, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Oh, God. No, but Paul. Yeah. Okay, fair point. Point taken. So this is Loose Units Origins, and Mm. speaking of origins, this week's chapter, which is chapter 39 called You May Have Been a Little Premature is about me being born. Now, I don't want to make it all about me, but it kind of is. Now, I was your first of three. And at this point, you were 21 years old. You and mum had been on the force for, you know, a couple of years, maybe a year at this point. Mm. Um, not long. No, not long. And I wanted to really get you to talk, because a lot of people obviously either have kids or want to have kids or are kids or were kids. Mm. My point being, if there is one, is that I'm sure a lot of people are curious as to what it was like to be an active police officer, you know, going out with or married to an active police officer and having a child in your early 20s. I mean, this whole story happened after track work. Obviously, a couple of chapters ago, by which I mean a couple of weeks ago, Mm. there was the story about the girl under the train. Mm. And you seem to keep running into these cases involving yourself and people dying and then their parents showing up. So I think you probably had parenting on the brain a little bit at this point. Mm. Could you talk us through in granular detail what this whole thing was like and, and, you know, this series of events? Policing back in the 80s, there were females in the job, uh, Christine and Sue, and, and a tiny, tiny group were, as we know, the first females in general duties in New South Wales, you know, on the street. Yep. Where they were given a stupid handbag, a dumb little... I mean, just crazy, like a toy gun. Um, I mean, it was a real gun, but it was very, very small. And people didn't take women that seriously in the job. And there were police officers at North Sydney Police Station that, that had contempt. And, you know, there was that story that someone once took Christine's revolver out of her holster and put a banana in it. 
Mm. Did you hear about that? No, I didn't hear about mm. that. Uh, you know, just, and, you know, and they didn't even have female toilets at North Sydney Police Station. And, you know, Christine and I got involved. Uh, you know, I proposed to Christine. We went to Fiji. Um, you know, the weather was, was pretty shitty over there. And, you know, we spent a lot of time in our room. And, I mean, how granular do you want me to go, Paul? What the hell's wrong with you? What do you mean? I mean, what the hell's wrong with you? In terms of? In terms of what you're doing. <laughs> Let's just say I was conceived at yes, some but, point off camera. You know, you always used to bang on about you'd never been overseas. And, well, technically you'd been to Fiji. And Great. you flew back. Thanks for now, we didn't know that. ruining this for me. Yeah, but you, it was okay. cheap. We didn't have to pay any extra, you know, for you to go yeah. back. No. It's not like we had to get another ticket. Okay. Obviously, when Christine called me during that exam, in my final exams in secondary training, when I was at Redfern Academy in a, in a class, because I'd gone to Fiji, this is weird, I didn't get to go back and do my secondary training with all my good friends from F-Troop. Right. And that was really upsetting. So I felt a bit sort of isolated and a bit... I wasn't that happy during secondary training. I didn't have that camaraderie. I felt sad that I wasn't with the crew from F Troop. Yeah. That I was going to meet a few weeks ago and then that was all cancelled, the fortieth you know, reunion. And then Christine calls me and says she's pregnant and I'm kind of going I didn't even like, you know, you're twenty one. We didn't know anyone our age or within cooey of our age. It was just not happening in our social scene where people were having kids at so young. But we thought, okay, let's. this is it. Let's just go with it. And we were very, very house proud. Christine and I, we, she used to love indoor terrariums. Um, and I'm not talking tiny little things in bottles. She had a terrarium that was like a one-metre spherical perspex orb that hung. God knows how I put it up. And inside it was like a forest. And we used to go to David Jones and we used to, we've always had taste beyond our budget. We used to buy beautiful furniture because we thought, here we are. Paul, when we found out that we were going to have you, we moved house. What am I saying? I mean, we didn't know whether it was a boy or a girl. I mean, I don't think they even had the technology back then. Well, do you think there was a, okay, I'm just, look, I'm just really curious from mum's perspective, because at this point, She's one of the first, you know, serving, you know, women police officers mm. in the New South Wales police force. Mm. And I guess one of the concerns from a misogynist and, you know, someone who's been there for many, many years will be, oh, they're just going to get bloody pregnant and mm. have to take time off work. Mm. Now, mum gets pregnant. Mm. I mean, pretty quickly. She's not been there for that long. She not only meets a male officer, but she then ends up getting pregnant. Mm. Uh, now, I'd love to hear mum's kind of perspective on... On what that was like, because I mean, do you get what I'm saying? It seems a little a little odd to be talking about the pregnancy side of things and the implications for the work mm. without talking to the person who it actually really affected. I mm. mean, so obviously, Mum's at work right now, so she mm. can't hop on the line and talk about this. But I mean, do you have? Do you remember what it was like for her? Do you have any insights? Look, I'm not going to go into all the physiological things. No, um, no, I meant like emotionally. Did you have a talk about? Oh shit, this is going to affect work for you, right? Um, look, I think Christine was really excited. And my mother, bless her cotton socks, was... My mother was convinced 
uh, rightly or wrongly, that this was sort of a lay-down misere. This was all going to... This was just part of the process. What did you it say? was of no surprise to, to my mum. Lay-down misere? Yeah. Do you know what that means? I don't think anyone does. Oh, are you joking, Paul? God, it's so funny. I think what it... It's a, it's a card card term, like a... Dealing a royal flush or something, I think. Oh, God. Paul. Don't you, Paul? Everyone knows what... What does that mean? Paul? <laughs> Shit. Anyway, look, it's a term that I, I do... I, I Okay, let's... Uh, who doesn't use terms that they're not completely au fait with? Here What's we go. A, an open or lay down misère or misère ouvert is a 500 bid where the player is so sure of losing every trick that they undertake to do so with their cards placed face up on the table. Consequently, lay down is Australian gambling slang for a predicted easy victory. So what you are That's saying... Kind, yeah. Kind is of. Gr- mm. Right. So you kind of used the expression right, and then you Thank acted you. smug like I didn't know what it was. Then you confessed you didn't know what it was. Uh, and Paul, now- I, I, had a, I had a grasp of, of the, the inner meaning of it, okay? Sure. Okay. God. Um, so my mother wasn't surprised. No. I mean, I did. Did I ever tell you? I think I'm. I'm quite sure I've told everyone that when I first met your mother, Christine. Yeah. And I'm obviously besotted and just. I mean, parents know, don't they? You know, like you know your kids. Right. And the first thing you you know this is a classic. The first thing my mother ever said was, "Well, you know what she said? Is she, she a Catholic?" Yes, yeah, she hoped she was a Catholic. That was okay. her. That was my mother's primary concern mm. above everything else. Look, I actually, you know, looking back on the whole situation, Paul, I mean, would we have preferred to have planned things? I don't think so. And I think one of the wonderful, exciting, fantastic, exhilarating, just bloody awesome things about this whole story, Paul, is, and it's one of the great things about parenthood if you get to have your kids when you're really young and it's it's tough really tough financially it was so tough for us but look at our situation now we have three adult children and we are comparatively young i mean i'm 61 you're 38 yeah i mean look that that's amazing isn't it it's the kind of gulf of age or lack of that kind of makes, you know, doing a podcast where we banter much easier because we have a lot more common ground because mm. the distance between us is really not that much, you know. Mm. That's yeah. right. And look, giving birth to a, to a child is, it's a lifetime of commitment and responsibility. And whilst we haven't seen two of our three kids and we don't get to see you that often. You know, during COVID, yeah, it's been very yeah, locked down and true. it's trapped in Europe. But I mean... You know, Paul, I, I'll just say this to you, mate. And it's mm. really, I'm sort of bearing my heart here. But look, and I'm not unique. I'm not, I'm not a unique person. You know, I'm a human. I've got, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a friend to people. I, I have all the, the foibles, uh, you know, all the, all the dramas of life. Um, which we all have, but, you know, being a parent, I don't think there'd be one day in my life where we don't think about our kids. And that's in a day. Now, I think about you and Anne and Mark all the time because 
we don't get to see each other that often. My point being that if you're a parent, you're always a parent. You are a parent until you till you die. And and that's also kind of sad too when you hear about people that lose their children. That is so I I just sometimes I just can't even think about it. It's too painful. It's like being out in the desert and looking up into the abyss and seeing billions of stars knowing that the light from those stars that you're seeing has taken millions of years so you're looking back in time in effect and then your brain starts to think about like the 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 concept of infinity that always freaks me out to think that you look up into the sky there's no ending it's something our tiny brains can't even fathom and then it starts to freak me out God, I'm starting to get lost in... You know, parenthood's a big thing. So when Christine calls me and says I'm pregnant, Christine and I just think to ourselves, okay, that's it. Let's... You know, we're, we don't think too deeply about these things. You, if You can sort of overanalyze things, mm-hmm. but then you've got to kind of go back to the basics and think, okay, this is our situation. And then, of course, knowing that you were going to be born, I mean... Christine had a lot of major health problems with you and things were really, really bad. Towards the end of the pregnancy, we'd organised for you to go to the Royal North Shore Hospital. We had an amazing specialist Mm -hmm. and I think I've mentioned it before, but he always used to rock up in this beautiful Porsche, which kind of, I sort of had a little bit of, you know, felt a little bit sad in a way. Not sad, that's the wrong word. But um, at the time we had a, a car that my seat was broken and I had to use a milk crate behind it to stop it going all the way back. Right. And But that aside, he was a lovely guy. And in the very, very late stages, Christine was around about 34 weeks, she started to get what's called toxemia, which means there's a critical blood supply issue to you. And things were starting to... To get pretty bad and I was getting a little bit kind of oh look you know that we need to get this this happening and then they did some more tests on Christine and Christine was very sweet and I guess if I had to use a word to describe Christine I would say she was or at least to me she's a very strong person but I I sense she was quite vulnerable and you know it's we are young I mean that is kind of fairly young I think in society plus I was doing shift work and Christine was still in the police force and she worked up until, you know, the very last minute. But then, you know, the doctor said, look, you know, there is a problem and uh, we need to do an emergency caesarean. So I rushed Christine over to Royal North Shore Hospital and basically everything was set down for the morning and... Uh, you were going to be, or Christine was going to be operated on around about 8 a.m. Um, on a particular day. And everything was geared up, everything's ready to go, operating theatre ready. I'm outside, Christine and I sort of were, we're, were waiting, waiting. And then at the last minute, there was some major, major car accident uh, involving multiple, um, you know, severe injuries. And all the theatre staff and the theatre, um, you know, all that, 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 they just didn't regard Christine 
having you, even though it was it was pretty bloody important to get you out, other things took over. And Christine and I sat in the hospital whilst they were operating on some major, major trauma, um, you know, the, uh, sort of people that really required life and death surgery. Yeah. At the same time, your uh, your situation, Christine's situation and your situation by default was actually deteriorating and you were basically, there was not a lot of blood getting to you and things were touch and go. And at four in the afternoon, they, they our surgeon came in and, and he said, right, and he came out into the uh, the hallway. Christine was in the operating theatre. She had what's called an epidural, which means she's completely awake during the process. Process, what the fuck? During the birth. Yep. And then the lovely surgeon came out, and I remember him coming out. He was fully kitted up, and he had his hands sort of in front of him, sort of facing upwards, you know, to indicate, you know, that he's not going to touch anything. And then he opened up the door with his elbow and I went into this operating theatre at the Royal North Shore Hospital. I would describe the operating theatre. The first thing that struck me when I walked into the theatre was not Christine lying there. The thing that absolutely spun me out was this operating theatre was built around about, I would say... 1900. And that doesn't mean the actual things in there being used are from the 1900s. These aren't sawbones. It's just a very old room. Old. Right? Okay. Old. It was like it was tiled. It was just really weird. I thought to myself, this is not what I'd expected. Mm. And then something else, and this is something that I have remembered to this very day about that afternoon. This may sound very, very, uh, what's the word, Paul, uh, insignificant, mm-hmm. but there was a window open and I was looking out the window into a garden and I thought, that doesn't strike me as being super sort of safe insofar as germs go. But then again, I don't know. But I don't know of any operating theatres that have windows open to the... I'm quite sure they don't today. I think they're very, very sealed in terms of the air situation. But there was a window open, which just struck me. Maybe in that that time of extreme stress, because obviously I'm, I'm, I'm stressed, but I don't feel stressed. I feel as though I've entered a film set. It's totally ethereal and surreal. And then I walk over to the the table and there's a flurry of activity. Bearing in mind, Paul, that this is becoming, I'm almost going to say, kind of life and death situation for you. Mm. Um, because Christine was in in an advanced you 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 um she had toxemia but it was really really critical bearing in mind paul that they are about to open christine up by way of a cesarean um six weeks prior to so that's a fair bit of time yeah that's okay so that's what a month and a half yeah 
Okay, so I was a month and a half premature. It's an emergency C-section. It's been delayed because of a you know series of major incidents. Finally, uh, mum is wheeled into this very old room. I mean, how is mum doing at this point? What's she's unreal. Name? She's look. She couldn't give a rat's ass. A she's on um, epidural. Yeah, uh, and she's just not that type of person. In fact, Christine, she actually doesn't panic. If Christine panics, or if she a few a few days ago. She used the F word, uh, and I, I nearly, I nearly just, I just stood there aghast. I've never heard her use the F word. No, no, and and it's super rare. She may have used that word three times in forty years. I'm not joking, listeners. She doesn't swear, but she actually wasn't swearing. She was just repeating a sentence that someone else had used, and the 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 F word was. It was a it was a quote. It was a quote. Okay. But right. you know what? It kind of made me feel a bit weird. But did she did she deign to swear when she was, you know, giving birth? I mean, that, if you're ever going to have to, you know, let one rip, no. I'm sure that's when. No, because it's not a natural childbirth, Paul. There's no pain. You're not pressing a little baby out of your vagina, are you? Uh, not often, no. So we all know that people generally scream, don't they? Mm-hmm. A cesarean, Paul... You are paralysed from your waist downwards. Or maybe even higher than the waist. Anyway, somewhere around there. So the surgeon says to me, because I'm, I'm, I'm with Christine, I'm holding her hand, but imagine in front of her, like in her chest area, is a massive shroud. So she can't obviously sort of tilt ahead and look and see what's happening, which if I was giving birth which as yet is pretty unlikely, but mm-hmm. I'd kind of really love to see it. Like I'd probably like mirrors set up. Um, in fact, I'd like to have the baby inside with a tiny little camera and watch from its perspective. Is that weird? No, not weird. Well, not unusual for you. Mm. Mm. And Paul, just FYI, yep. my father, um, he, up until when he died... He was adamant that he could remember his birth. You've told me that. That's insane. Mm. And my father was not one to bullshit. In fact, no. he probably never lied in his life. So, yeah. Um, so, I'm kind of unaware of what's happening, but I'm very, very curious because I've seen some lots of stuff, you know, medical-wise, and I'm kind of feeling like, yes, Christine, I'm with you and I'm looking and I'm kind of going through all those sort of sort of almost automated responses but but inside i was actually yearning to actually see the you know the the business end of the of the production yeah and then as as fate would have it the lovely surgeon says to me john would you like to come around and watch and i was so excited and so poor christine's basically i've just left her and when i say left her i mean I've sort of moved out and around and I'm looking down on her uh, on her stomach, on her abdomen. And they obviously use that, that sort of that brownie coloured liquid and they, they just sort of splash it around, completely, you know, cover her because that's the antibiotic. It's like oh, iodine, no, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's, like... it's sort of, it's, yeah, whatever. And, um, and then they begin the, uh, the procedure. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Now, they start cutting, and it's fascinating. They're going layer upon layer, like a Betty Sydney cheesecake or some type of cake. It used to be an ad. Layer upon layer, and they're cutting through, cutting through all the, you know, the the skin, the fat, the the muscle, and then they sort of reveal this, like a, what's a good way to describe it? I guess if you had a balloon full of fluid and inside that balloon was something in there kind of floating around then he I mean I'm sort of oversimplifying things because I don't remember every minute detail but the bottom line Paul is that uh, the doctor pulled you out now I can't remember whether they pulled you out feet first I can't imagine they just yank your head out if I was your dad, maybe I'd remember, but I don't. Oh, God. <laughs> it's probably a good thing we can't remember these things. Deeply it's traumatic. very traumatic. Because you're going De- from a very warm, beautiful environment into something that, let's face it, it's probably relatively cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of light. Um, now, I remember they held you upside down by the ankles, which is kind of weird, because imagine if they dropped you. I mean, that would be pretty bad unless you had a rubber floor and even if you had a rubber floor and then you well you then you'd bounce which would be kind of but imagine if i mean i wonder whether they've ever dropped babies and not told anyone right possibly i don't know no it is possible i mean things happen and um (laughs) reminds me of that that film where the (laughs) the lady gives birth the baby just flies out what? At great speed. Oh, shit. What are you it slides about? across the... Look, that was funny. Um, anyway, now there's a test they give you called the APGAR test. Now, it's out of 10. And what they do is they 
and this is a bit sad, Paul, I felt a bit sorry for you because she started screaming. But I'll never forget, when they pulled you out of your mother, I was expecting you to be kind of a pinky colour. Uh-huh. Maybe red. Yep. Sort of, you know, as though to indicate life <laughs> and joy. Okay. Well, but no, no, let's no, not no you weren't. Paul, you were black. For a moment then I thought... No, that would indicate a complete lack of oxygen, wouldn't it? No, you were very dark and you were fucked. Now, that test they gave you where they pinprick your heel, which I thought mm. was really sad, and they squeezed some blood out of your tiny little heel. When I say tiny, mate, you were tiny. You were really, really tiny. In the book, you describe yourself as the size of a soccer ball. No, you were the size of a golf ball. Now, that sounds very tiny, doesn't it? Obviously, you are bigger than a golf ball, but I just wanted to say that because you were a lot smaller than a golf ball. You were probably the size of a softball. You know how big they are? Yeah, I've played... So- I wasn't... Piss you were off, tiny. Wasn't- I'm no, serious. Dad, I'm I- sorry. I wasn't the size of a softball. Paul, if you no call... Baby- Dad, no baby has ever emerged. <laughs> My head, maybe. You had a you- tiny head, Paul. Yeah, even- not... Even though you have a magnificent brain. Well, I have a very big head now. I'm wondering... Paul, you don't now- have a big head. I do. Everyone... If you've seen me at a live show, I'm like a fucking bobblehead. I should be on the dashboard of a car in a hula skirt, shaking back and forth. It's not a good look. Anyway. I, I don't agree, Paul. I think you're okay. a very stylish young man. Now, so out of this this test, that, and the results come in very, very quickly. Now, I probably scored about a... Well, actually, no, that's not a good analogy because I was paralyzed for eight weeks. But um, I'm not sure what the average is, maybe eight or nine or possibly a ten. Mm. Um, I don't want you to feel bad, Paul, but Anne got a 10. Uh, you got a 3 on that test, which is really bad. And oh. you had to go into um, intensive care. Oh, yeah. And you went into a humidity crib. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were in there for several weeks. And I'm not quite sure of your birth weight, but you were tiny. Now, look... When you were, we, we used to go to the hospital every day. Um, I'd go to the hospital every day and visit Christine, but eventually Christine was allowed to come home, but she wasn't allowed to come home with you. So we sort of were coming home to you know, a place where you weren't there, but we had your room set up really beautifully and uh, it was all ready to go and then we just had to, had to wait until you, you know, sort of got to a stage where they felt that you're okay on your own. And in terms of, Breastfeeding, I, th- I'm quite sure that you used to just fall asleep all the time, and you were tiny. Now, now, listeners, how how small was Paul when we brought him home? Okay, I'll tell you how small Paul was. We used to wash Paul in a Tupperware container. Paul, yeah, tu- I guess a it Tupperware. Depends. If we had to put you into a sink, yeah, to wash you, it would have been like an Olympic swimming pool for you. You could have done laps in it. Okay. Well, obviously, you wouldn't. You'd just sink to the bottom. But so what we did, we came up with this idea. We got a Tupperware container, which is really quite small. We would fill the Tupperware container up with beautiful warm water. We would then put the Tupperware container into the sink. And then we would pop you in and we would wash you and bathe you. Right. And, mate, I'll tell you now, you were tiny. But... Look at you now. You're hairy. 
You're well over six feet. I'm jealous of your hair. You can grow a beard in hours. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's I, was clean, I was clean shaven this morning and now I've got a full beard. It's, it's great. So, I don't know, I don't yeah, know you, where you, I get that from. You, but, you, yeah. you, you take after your mother. Right. Beautiful beard. So, look, you know, and then, of course, once we've got one baby, you, what's, what's, the nat- what's the natural progression to think, okay, well, we're going to have more than one child. Mm-hmm. So, hey, presto, along comes Anne. Well, let's not diminish the difficulty of having another kid for mum. Hey, presto. Now, this is obviously <laughs> Anne is born in, Anne's born later, Uh because chronologically, we can't skip ahead that part because there is an amazing fight scene coming up later in this oh, book, which has had Mate, while that's mom a classic. is yeah, while mom is pregnant with Anne. So we're going to go through that uh, in another chapter. But I mean, at some point, I would love to sit down with mom and kind of find out what it was like for her. Mm. But th- that's I feel like that's a very different podcast. I'm very Definitely. interested. I've been very interested in hearing your perspective on all this. I mean, what was it like going back to work? Uh, you know, going back onto duty now having a kid i mean did that add a certain pressure to you was it freeing what was it like it just gave me a great sense of appreciation and also made me feel mm. on duty that i i really needed to to be extra careful and perhaps i became more risk averse um which is weird because christine sense that I really missed skydiving and she said to me one day John let's go down to Wilton to the drop zone and because she didn't want to feel that she was sort of you know holding me back sort of stopping me from doing some high adrenaline things which is weird because I was in the police force which in Mm. itself is an adrenaline based dangerous job and I remember going to the drop zone and I looked across at Christine and I just thought you know what, I can't do it. But it was very sweet of her to, and I needed to do that. I needed to go drive down there and actually look at the planes and look at the, the people jumping and thinking, you know what, I, 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 and I moved on. But, you know, when Christine used to breastfeed you, Paul, she had a technique where she would have a safety pin and she would, the last breast that you'd suckled, she... Fuck's sake. No, no, hear me out. She would get a safety pin and stick it on that side in her blouse or her nightie so that when you would... Because you were were wanting to feed all the time. You were literally... You could have been on the breast 24-7. You were insatiable because you were trying to catch up, of course. But then Christine would need some sleep and she would often fall asleep with you on the breast... But then she had this technique with the pin. So when she'd wake up, she knew that it was the other breast to start you on. But one, because we had a waterbed, and one night she inadvertently forgot that it was a waterbed and she stuck the safety pin into the mattress, which was effectively into a giant balloon full of water. And then in the morning, we both realised that our entire bed was saturated and she'd realised that she'd punctured the bed during the night using her special technique. So that was kind of... That was weird. Uh, it was weird trying to locate the source of the leak. Um, but, you know, 
having you, Paul, it just set a you you set forth a series of events in our life that that things just happened from that point. Yeah. Now, if we hadn't have had you, you know, we we you just can't look back and go, what if this or what if we hadn't have done this? Because that is how it happened, and we are very very. We wouldn't. I've often thought. And this is very, very cliched, but given the opportunity, Paul, given the opportunity to repeat the and sort of rinse and repeat, so to speak, mm-hmm. we would go back. Well, you know, you'll have to get Christine's perspective, but from my perspective, um, my life leading up up until me sitting here today talking to you, I, I certainly um, I wouldn't change anything. I think it's just miraculous and fantastic. That is not to take from any single person or or couple that decides what no matter what the couple decide or, or the single people or whoever they are it, it just is totally fine it's wonderful and a few weeks ago down at manly beach i met this particular person and this person said to me oh look you know i'm a grandmother she then said to me oh are you a grandfather and i went no and she kind of had this weird look on her face it really kind of thought and i kind of I kind of sort of is the term bridged up. What's that term where I kind of became a bit? Oh, you kind of yeah. I I know what you're talking up. about. I kind of thought I went into this almost. You know how you got the the fight and flight mode. Got a bit defensive, or I became yeah. I kind of became slightly defensive, but also slightly. I went a I went slightly on the attack because it's a very very, it's a topic very very close to my heart. Yes. And I basically, look, it was so, it really, I'm glad I'm getting to talk about this, Paul, because I didn't mention it to Christine and I haven't mentioned it to anyone. Uh, I was going to mention it to a friend of mine, but I thought, no, because he'll, because he was there, but he wasn't actually listening. Um, But I found this particular woman's line of, it was almost a line of questioning and... I knew behind those eyes she was judgmental. So I kind of reacted slightly in the negative and I was slightly... I, I don't want to use the word hostile, but geez, I had the shits. Because please, please don't transfer your your feelings, your thoughts, your emotions, your ideas, your morals. Don't transfer them onto other people because we're all different. But she basically wanted to know about you and Tegan, Mark and Pla, Anne and Tobias, about the situation in terms of children. And I just thought, so I, I kind of... But I just thought, it's none of your business. And if you make a decision to have kids or not have kids, it's entirely 100% fine. Christine and I couldn't give a rat's ass about any of this shit, because it is shit. And, you know, it's just... So, yeah, God, you can see I'm sort of how it affected me. But that shits me because it's not fair to make people feel as though that's the society's norm because it's fucking not. You know what I mean? And I could have then come up with all sorts of sort of doomsday arguments as to why, well, maybe you shouldn't have kids because things are fucked. But I didn't get into that. I didn't go quite that deep. But she she was really kind of, she must have thought, shit, I've really opened a can of, you know, kind of worms. worms here. Look, I'm I'm really obviously I'm very glad you had me. But would you say, just in closing, when we wrap things up, would you say it's a 
would you say you are glad that you had kids and would you say that it even though it did actually objectively affect your um your careers with the police i don't care about any of that what i do care about is that we've brought three amazing people into this world who have all done have who've all had an impact i mean every single person that comes into this world has an impact even if it's only for an hour mm. or what happens look everyone has an impact and isn't it weird to think paul that every single despot dictator murderer bad person in the world actually came into the world generally speaking unless they were born with some you know some sort of pressure on the brain or some genetic something or other but you know that's a whole nother topic but most people do come into the world when they're when they're born they're lying there they're 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 innocent and they're completely unaware of of all the dramas that are going to be loaded onto them and we all see things as we grow up from our own perspective in relation to how prior events have brought us to where we are and you know i like to think that you get wiser as you get older but that's not necessarily the case because some people become very myopic in their their sort of sort of outlook on life but i like to sort of look i guess in closing paul i from my perspective wouldn't change a thing i think uh, my life has been enriched by you three kids and and conversely or add, added to are your incredible partners of which we we love immensely Mm. So yeah, it's just it's so so good, and it all happened because you know, you and Mum decided to. Well, I was an accident, as I found out recently. So I'm going to close on that weird grim note. But I'm glad you had me because if you didn't, we wouldn't be here, and the listeners and readers wouldn't be basking in your stories. So, so thanks, thanks for the happy accident. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this. Confronting but heartfelt episode of Loose Units Origins. We'll be back later this week with the loose ends, but in the meantime, be good to each other and we'll see you then. Bye, everyone. Cheerio. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.